0: Okay, we're continuing our series uh, and God, and we're on Jacob and God today. Genesis chapter number 32 for our text today. Genesis chapter number 32 for our text. Last week we saw Jacob uh, struggling to get the birthright he took that from his brother Esau for a pot of stew. It wasn't much of a struggle because Esau didn't value it and Jacob did. And so Jacob became the holder of the birthright. That's the firstborn uh, privileges. And then he stole the blessing. He ran out and stole it by lying and cheating. He got the blessing from his father. And we talked about uh, the how that goes and what all that means. Now we move ahead in Jacob's life uh, to another place. We're going to put a couple names on the board. Names will be very important. And the first one we're going to put on is Beth Bethel. Beth means house and El means God. And when Jacob ran from Esau, after we finished our story last week, Esau said, I'm going to kill my brother. He stole birthright and blessing, and I'm going to kill him. And so he ran from his brother Esau and gets way out in the middle of nowhere, lays his head on a stone for a pillow, not much of a pillow, and uh, goes to sleep, has a dream. There's a ladder going up to heaven, and God talks to him from the top of the ladder down on the bottom angels are coming up and down the ladder he has a dream about heaven and god said don't you worry i'm gonna go with you to the land you're going and this is gonna be you're gonna have these promises and so he wakes up he said god was here and i didn't even know it and so he said this is bethel or the house of god and so he names this place the house of god he will go from there to work for his uncle Laban. Now Jacob was a cheater and a liar and a thief, sneaky, conniving fella. Got his way pretty good. He came up against his uncle Laban who was twice as sneaky, twice as conniving as Jacob ever was. And he worked him over good. He gave him a run for his money And so Jacob got a dose of his own medicine and another dose. (laughs) And so he came up against Uncle Laban, who really worked him over good. And Jacob, though, is still a clever fella, and he worked out a way to breed sheep. And he agreed with his uncle any nice, clean, white sheep is yours, these old, ugly, spotted ones are mine. And so he worked out a way to breed the sheep so they all turned ugly spotted and actually became a breed of sheep. And you've heard of Jacob's sheep maybe. Uh, Some of you, they're still around I guess. But uh, I don't know if they're exactly the same ones. But uh, he, he was clever still. But finally he decided I gotta get away from Laban and so he packs up his family, leaves Laban, uh, in the night, sneaks out to get away. Laban comes after him, and Laban catches up to him. What are you pulling? What are you trying to pull? You stole my household gods. So they search everybody's tent. They can't find these household gods, and come to find out, uh, they never did find them. But Rachel, uh, his do- uh, daughter, had them underneath her camel saddle. <laughs> So she did steal him, all right? But they finally made an agreement, and so they go. And so uh, he's just escaped from Laban. And Laban come after him, pursued him. They argued back and forth, and finally made an agreement. Laban's gone home, so he's just made that escape. And it was much more uh, uh, (coughs) of a cheater than he ever was, all right? So now we come to chapter 32. He's finished with Laban. He's going on his way. And uh, he's got something that really has got him afraid. Verse 3, chapter 32, verse 3. He's got some of his people there. Verse, er, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak to my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban, stayed there until now. I have oxen and asses, flocks and men servants and women servants. I have sent to tell my lord that I might find grace in his sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau. He also cometh to meet thee with 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people that was with him into flocks and herds, camels into two bands. So, uh, he's just got away from Laban. Laban and Jacob has just escaped. That's behind him now. Next thing he sees is Esau. All right. Now Esau is the brother that he cheated, stole everything from. And Jacob is coming back home. Now, you have to remember what happened. The birthright went to Jacob. So that means as the older brother, as he's now returning home, He has the ability to claim two-thirds of the inheritance. All right, so that's how birthright worked. So if there was uh, an inheritance and there was two sons, the oldest one got twice as much as the other one. Now he stole that (laughs) from his brother. And so he says, I gotta go back to canaan that's where i'm supposed to be going god wants me to go there i have to go through this property that my brother owns and i'm pretty afraid so he sends some people ahead tell esau i'm coming and i want to have peace and they say well he's coming and he's got 400 men with him and they're not a bunch of sissies these guys remember esau's a hunter he's out running around in the wilds and he's a hunter So he's got a bunch of tough hombres with him, 400 of them, and they're coming. So he's looking at his situation. I just left Laban, got out of there with my skin, and now much more dangerous. Esau is coming at me. What are we going to do? And he's more afraid of Esau than he ever was of Laban. And he's got reason, because Esau got burned pretty bad, and uh, said, I'm gonna kill my brother. All right, so now he's coming back home. But we skipped this, we gotta go back to beginning chapter 32. I wanna say that this chapter in Genesis is one of the most interesting, most amazing passages in the Bible. There's just so much. You try to wrap your head around what happened here. Um, and when you read it, it doesn't try to explain much to you. just say, here, there. What do you think of that? Well, let's look at the first thing that's just amazing. Chapter 32 now of Genesis at the beginning, verse 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. All right, now Bethel was his first encounter with God. He wakes up after the dream of the ladder and he says, God is here and I didn't know this must be God's house, Bethel. And so now he says, this place is Mahanaim place i call mahanam which means two hosts or in the bible host is an army two armies and so he's traveling along and here he sees an armed force and he realizes that these are angels this is god's host THESE ARE ANGELS. THIS IS THE FIRST TIME ANYBODY'S EVER SEEN ANYTHING LIKE THAT. NOW, WE CAN LOOK AHEAD A LITTLE BIT TO SECOND KINGS. IF YOU WANT TO TURN THERE, SECOND KINGS. THIS HAPPENS OTHER TIMES IN THE BIBLE, BUT IN SECOND KINGS, CHAPTER NUMBER 6, WE GET A LOOK, AND THIS IS PROBABLY MORE INFORMATION THAN WE GET BACK IN HERE IN GENESIS. So we get a look at an army. And uh, 2 Kings 6, this is Elisha. And Elisha is trapped in a city. And he's got a servant boy with him. And they're trapped in the city. uh, And this army has gathered around the city where he is. We want Elisha. We want him so here's what happens verse uh, (coughs) 15 when the servant of the man of god was risen early gone forth behold a host come to the city with both horses and chariots and the servants said unto him alas my master how shall we do so there's an army on the ground surrounding the city and he answered, fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, behold, a mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So That's pretty cool, right? <laughs> and there's an army on the ground, the servant boy says, we're in trouble. We're surrounded. He says, ah, we got more on our side. What do you mean? And God said, let him see. And he looks up and sees, there's a whole army in the sky all around him with flaming chariots and fire and everything else. Oh, well, that changes things. When you can see the army, it's pretty impressive. And he says, you got twice as many, we're, we're no problem. Now, back here, it says Jacob saw the angels. This isn't a vision like the ladder where he's sleeping and has a dream. He actually sees these beings in an army. And there are angels. He knows that they are angels. He says this is God's host. But he calls it Mahanaim. There's two hosts. There's two armies that have come down. As he's going to make this trip. Into uh, where God's asked him to go to Canaan. And so the army. What he's saying. Is there's angels behind me. There's two armies. And there's angels in front of me that makes those 400 men that esau are bringing along a little less threatening god sent army gonna be with you behind you and in front of you and they come to make you safe and so he feels pretty good about that i would too how would you like to see that huh well the bible does say we have guardian angels who keep their eye on us lest we should dash our foot against a stone god has angels whose job it is to keep track of people in this case because jacob is such an essential character in the history of the world and in the history of the Bible but in the history of the whole world he's an essential character we'll see why before we're done uh, God's I'm, I'm, I got my I'm with that guy I'm right there with him we'll send a couple of armies down I understand that in Egypt when they came out of Egypt one angel only one God sent the death angel to Egypt, on the night of Passover and he killed all the firstborn of Egypt and he killed all the firstborn cattle. Anything that was firstborn with the Egyptian name on it died. He said from the sheep out in the pasture to Pharaoh's son. And one angel did that, okay? You got an army, you're all set, you're in good shape. And so Jacob is surrounded with an army of angels and he's actually allowed to see them. But most of us have never seen an angel. I am sure they've been near me. I've had a few close calls in my younger days, probably my older days too, didn't even know it. My younger days I had some very close calls. I was on a hay wagon driving down the mountain and the pin came out and I was in a wagon freewheeling. And over that side right there was about a hundred yards down to the bottom. And I said, man, I'm gonna die. And I yelled to Uncle Ed,
1: stop!
0: And he laughed and waved, I said stop! And he stopped just as the wagon came, smash! I said, man, I'm glad you stopped. Well, I think an angel Made him pay attention to me. <laughs> so he's gonna keep him. He's gonna die right now if he goes over that cliff. And it was there's no guardrail or anything where I'm talking. It was a back road. And you just, I don't know what would have happened. I had a few incidents like that. So I think there's an angel with us, watching over us. He's got something for us. God's got something for us to do. He's gonna help us. God's got something for Jacob. He's gonna help him. So he sends these... Army. Now you say, okay, so why is he afraid if he's got an army of angels? Because he's not stupid. That's why. I mean, sometimes we think, ah, I got to do whatever I want. We're okay. They're not okay. (laughs) You still have to be wise. And so he's pretty afraid Esau's coming. Uh, with 400 men, even though the angels are there, say, well, he, is he okay? Why is he doubting? He's not doubting, but he is being wise. So let's say what? Pick it up, see what happens here. <coughs> Verse eight. And said, if Esau come to one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. So he divides his groups into two parties he said, we're going to go forward in two groups. If Esau gets one of them, maybe the other one's got a chance. We're going to be careful. All right? And then here's the important part, verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord was said unto me, return to thy country, to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. All right, so he says, you're my grandfather's God. You promised him. My father, you promised, and so you promised me too. Now you've told me, go back to Canaan, and I'll be with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all these mercies, of all the truth which hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I've become two bands. He said, when I crossed Jordan going to Uncle Laban's for the first time, I had a stick in my hand, and that was it. I have anything else. Now I'm coming back home where I came from and I got two big groups. Family, flocks, servants, all kinds. Of, and I'm, you've blessed me a lot. And so uh, I'm grateful for it. Verse 11, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. All right, he's got young kids with him too. And he's concerned about their well-being and welfare as any good father should be. And thou says I will surely do thee good make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for a multitude. And so he prays to God and that's an important part of his preparation. Okay, He divides it into two camps. Harder to kill him that way all at once. And then he starts his prayer to God. Uh, and uh, he divides, he's about to divide the group, but he's got a promise from God. And really, it's what he brings up here. Back in Genesis 28 is where he was sleeping and had to dream. and Genesis 28 in verse number 15. This is God in that dream of Jacob's ladder. Behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land where I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep. Surely the Lord is in this place I knew it's not. And so God said to him, he's going to take you, be with you wherever you go. And so he says to God, you said, you said, wherever I go, you've told me to come here. And so I'm trusting you to help me with Esau. Esau's probably pretty mad. And he'd like to get his hands on my little neck and squeeze it. And so I'm asking for your help. Now he's going to do another thing. And keep track of this. This is interesting. Verse 13. He lodged there the same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. Two hundred she-goats, twenty he-goats, two hundred ewes, and twenty rams. You adding now in your head? So that's Four hundred and forty. 30 camels, that's 470, with their colts, 40 kine, which is cows, and 10 bulls, 20 she-ashes, and 10 foals. So that's 550 animals. And so he's dividing off his flock, 550 animals in the flock that he sets aside he said, this is gonna be a gift to my brother Esau. I'm gonna give him these. Right. Now, Esau's probably thinking he's coming back and gonna claim two-thirds of whatever because he's got the birthright. Jacob says, I'm gonna give him half of what I got. So what I, my flocks have built up to over a thousand take half of them, and we're going to give them as a gift to Esau. He delivered them to the hand of his servants. Every drove by themselves and said to his servants, pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. Or in other words, the first group group's gone, leave a little space. Next group leaves, leave a little space. Third group leaves. They commanded the foremost, saying, when Esau my brother meeteth thee, And ask thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? You shall say, They be thy servants. Jacob, it's a present, sent to my lord Esau, and behold, also he is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all that followed the droll, saying, On this manner you shall speak unto Esau, when you shall find him. And say ye, Moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. He said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterwards I will see his face. Peradventure he will accept of me. So, he says, we're going to do our best to appease Esau. Give him half of what I own. Give him half of what I own. So if Esau's thinking, like he might be, he's coming to claim everything I got, and the first group comes, and he gets a couple hundred animals. The next group comes, a couple hundred more. The next group comes, a couple hundred more. That should kind of appease, all right? <laughs> Maybe he's not coming to do that. That's not in his mind. It's not what he's doing. Right? So uh, he's got angel escorts. He saw those. He sends large gifts with him. And then he's got honor. You honor Esau. Bow down when you see him. Tell him I'm coming. And these are gifts sent from your brother. But most of all, he's got God's promise. Which was, I'll be with you as you go. All right? And so, he's thinking, I've done everything in my power that I can do. God's got... Uh, angels in front of me and behind me, I should be safe. I'm going to send them off and let them go. All right. And uh, verse 21. So went the present over before him. He himself lodged that night in the company. He rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons, passed over the ford Jebok, took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over that he had. And so. Everything now is gone over to the side of Cain. Right? So if you can picture in your mind, you got the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, Sea of Galilee. Uh, and this is Canaan, Promised Land, and he's coming across the river here, and uh, sends Esau is got over on this side. He's sending three groups ahead. With gifts. He stays over here by himself. Everybody else goes. He stays by himself. And so he's trusting God take care of my family. I've done everything in my power to do the right thing. I want you to take care of my family. All right. And so think about it. It's amazing that he saw a host of angels. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now what you're about to see now is a thousand times more amazing. It is mysterious. It is strange. It is wonderful. It's the most, one of the most fascinating passages of scripture in the Bible. Here we go. Verse 23, he took them, sent them over the brook, sent over that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. All right, so we have a man on this side of the river over here, the person says there's a man, and it says they wrestled. Line. until the breaking of day until daybreak all right and when he saw that he prevailed not against him that is the person he's wrestling with didn't win he saw that Jacob was really, and the word here uh, wrestled in the original languages is kicked up the dust. All right, so we'll get to that in a minute. Verse twenty-five: When he saw that he prevailed not against him, or that it was a draw, they weren't no either one of them was winning. He, that is the person he's wrestling, touched the hollow of his thigh. Touched him on his hip and the hollow jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with it so he touched his hip and it went out of joint just when he touched it and then he said the person he's wrestling with let me go for the day breaketh let me go so now as he's wrestling, but he still is wrestling with his hip <laughs> out of jail. Let me go for the daybreak, and he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. He won't stop wrestling. Even though he's lost the use of a leg, he's hanging on for all he's worth. And then if you ever wrestled I used to wrestle with my brother, until finally it was a draw once, and then he decided it wasn't worth the trouble. (laughs) But he used to beat me regularly, pound me and beat me into submission regularly. Then I got big enough so I could fight back, and I hung on. Man, I'm hanging on for dear life. And I said, I finally am strong enough, I can hold on. And I hung on to the nape of his neck, and uh, my mother came in and looked at us like we were fools. She says, well, one of you will have to let go first. Turn around and walked away. Which was a s- way, her way of saying stupid. Who's the most stupid? Well, the least stupid would be the one that lets go. So as you're thinking about that with your hands on his neck, <laughs> should I let go? Am I the stupid one, or is he? Well, we both let go at the same time. But he wore turtlenecks for a couple weeks because <laughs> I left a mark. <laughs> it was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> Jacob's holding on. His, his leg is out of joint. It doesn't matter. He will not surrender. He's holding on to this Man says that he's wrestling with verse 27. He said unto him, What is thy name? and he said, Jacob. And so the man that's wrestling asked, What's your name? Well, I'd rather not say because my name is Jacob. Right, so he says, And during the battle towards the end, What is your name? Well, Jacob, you remember. And that's why words in the Old Testament in particular are pretty important. Bethel, house of God, right? Mahanaim, two hosts of an army. Jacob, his name means a surplanter, or we call it a cheat. I'm a cheater. So what's your name as he's wrestling? What's your name, cheater? Peter. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast had power with God and with men, and hath prevailed. So, this person he's wrestling with uh, changes his name. changes his name. Very essential key. We try to figure out what all this means. He changed his name to Israel. Nobody's ever heard that name before or used that name. It's the first time that the word Israel appears. All right? There's no such thing as an Israelite until now. So this is the first time that name is used and it's two Jacob, who just admitted, I'm a cheater and I'm fighting, fighting and struggling with you, and uh, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And then, verse 29. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. So, who are you? And he said, Therefore, is it that thou dost ask after my name? What are you asking my name for? And he blessed him there. So he got what he wanted for, the blessing. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen the face, God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Peniel. The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel did not eat the sinew which shrank, which is the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrank. So what he did, the sinew that holds your joint together, he shrunk it. And it, his leg came out of joint and it stayed out of joint the rest of his life. So ever thereafter, he He's, he's halting on his thigh, or he walks with a major limp because his hip is out of joint. But he names this place Peniel, the new name, Peniel, which means uh, God face to face. God face to face. So in Bethel, what happened there? God was here and I didn't know it. I didn't know God was here. When Nahanaim, he's getting back, going in the right direction. I'm surrounded by angels, two hosts of angels. And then Peniel, now it's God face to face. God face to face. Now we're going to take a quick look over at Hosea. Because there's a reference in Hosea after uh, uh, Ezekiel and Daniel, is the book of Hosea, it's the first one of the minor prophets towards the back of the Old Testament. We're going to go to Hosea. And we're in chapter number 12. And he's gonna, the prophet here, Hosea's talking about Jacob. He's gonna tell us something that we need to hear here. Uh, verse three, Hosea chapter 12, verse three. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. All right, well, we remember that, right? As he was born, his hand had his Esau's heel. And by his strength, He had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept, made supplication unto him, found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us, even the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial. And so this man has now been called an angel and now been called God of hosts. For the lord of hosts. All right. So the person that's wrestling with him is God. Nothing like it. Never seen anything like it before or since he's in a wrestling match with God. What? He did what? Really? He wrestled with God, and God said, you won? Think about that. There's so many questions that come into your mind. The first one that comes into my mind is, okay, all right, uh, so why uh, did he wrestle? Why did he wrestle? What circumstance? Brought it to be that he wrestled with God. Now, think about it. He's just seen angels all around him. All around him are beings of another world. And he's seen them, a whole bunches of them. And, you know, he sends everybody over the river and he's all by himself and it's nighttime. It's nighttime. My question is, why did he wrestle? Whatever possessed him to wrestle? Well, most of the people who met God didn't do that. Matter of fact, nobody did it. He's the only person in the world ever wrestled with God. Uh, <clears throat> why not? Well, God walked up to Abraham's tent and said, How are you doing this afternoon? Let's have lunch. And he said, he went into Abraham's tent and ate lunch. God was with Abraham and they talked like they were friends. Joshua would come face to face with God Uh, on the other side of the Jordan River. Come face to face with God. And he'd pull a sword out. And Joshua says, whose side are you on? And he answers back. I'm not on anybody's side. <laughs> it's not how God views the world. It's this side and that side. You remember that forever because that's essential information for our understanding. God's not on anybody's side. He's God. He's not on anybody's side. He's not down here. I'm going to be on your side. That's not God. God says to Joshua, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm the captain of the armies of the Lord of hosts. <sighs> I'm in charge of the army of heaven. All right, now here he's called God of hosts. The same being. Same creature. You understand that whenever anybody saw God. They were looking at Jesus. The second person of the Trinity. Because any extension from God into the human race is always Jesus. You say well Jesus wasn't born yet. True but he always existed. When he took human flesh, he extended into the human race, took human flesh, and then we could see him and touch him. Before that, they could see him and touch him when he allowed it, and it was Jesus. So uh, it's Jesus that he's wrestling with, and uh, he, uh, the only thing that must have happened, and if you think about how can this be, it's dark, and all of a sudden, there's, who's that over there? Somebody's over there. Where's, where's he? Who's that? And I'm sure Jacob, hey, who's that? And I don't think he answered him. So he started to walk over, and God backs up. <laughs> he gets a little closer, and he keeps back, hey, come here. So he just stays away from him a little bit. And so Jacob probably ran a little bit. And he ran a little bit. And Jacob said, I'm going to get him. And all of a sudden he runs as fast as he can and dives and grabs him around the waist and knocks him over. I don't know who you are, but I got an idea who you are. And why are you hanging around me and looking at me and you're not talking to me? I want to talk to you. And if you're going to slip away, I'm not going to let you slip away. I'm going to have at it. And he takes a dive. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And it is a violent struggle. A violent struggle. It's full-born. Let's have at it. You're not getting away from me because I think I know who you are. So, why does he come at night? Well, you can't quite tell for sure who that is. And you can ask him, Who are you? and he doesn't answer. And later on, as they're wrestling, tell me your name. Don't ask my name. I didn't come here to give you my name. So he's trying to figure out who he is, and he's wrestling in this violent struggle with him. And I think that some things God just loves. Now, look at Matthew. Matthew Chapter eleven Matthew Chapter eleven Verse eleven Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and violent take it by force. Jesus said, look, this John the Baptist came, and people said, Whatever he's got, we are going to have it. And we are not going to be put off. We're going to get it. I want it. And Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. They were beaten on the door. I want it. We're sick of the dead materialism of the temple, of the priesthood and all the rest. And this guy's got the real thing. We will not leave here until we get it. We're going to have it. And Jesus said, they got violent. They got intense. We're going to get it. Jacob, as he's looking at whoever this guy, he's not sure quite who it is, but he thinks he knows who it might be. He I'm not letting you get away. You're not going. And as he backs up, moves around, he says, no, 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 no. I won't have it. I'm going to get you And he dives on him and drags him to the ground. And he wrestles through the night. Now he starts and nobody knows how long he went. But the angel or God says, it's going to be dawn. It's going to be dawn. Stop. No. I am not going to stop until you bless me. In that attitude there's something that god absolutely loves he loves that violent intent and sometimes we are way too calm to please god way too calm god is looking for an intensity and a hunger for him that says, I will. We're singing a new song in choir. I just discovered it. I heard it done, and I found it in an old, old book. I said, we're going to sing this song. I will not be denied. I will not be denied. Till Jesus comes and set me free, I will not be denied. It's a great song. We've been working on it. We're going to sing it for you soon. I will not be denied. What a great attitude. He's going to come to God and say, no, I want what you have. When John the Baptist came, they said, we want that. That's real. We can go down the Jordan River and be baptized and say, man, I know God is with me now. And before, I'd go to the temple and listen to all that garbage, and I hated it. That's the real thing. I wanted. And Jacob says, I think that's who you are, and I'm not letting you get away. So violently, he grabs him and drags him down to the ground. And Jesus says, John the Baptist, people were violent. He said, and God responded to that violence. And so here's a man wrestling with God. Because he absolutely refuses to take no, I will not be denied. I'm going to have it. And so that's a great attitude. Why this is such a shining passage of scripture. Now, he asks God's name. And God says, I'm not giving you my name. Now Why not? Why not? Well, so far, he thinks it's God, right? He's got a feeling it's God. If you said, all right, there it's God and here's his name, then he could go and he could say, well, at least I know his name now. That's not what God wants. There are people who use the name of Jesus, Say, oh, we know about Jesus, but do you know him? Are you personally involved with him? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him, really? It's a whole different world. And so he doesn't want to just give him a name so he can go by and say, here, here's God's name, Jehovah. Could have said that. I'm not going to tell you my name. Because it's not just the name, head knowledge. Is a feeling in the heart that he's gonna get from hands on, (laughs) real hands on. All right? And so he comes in the dark so that you'll not know. He doesn't want you to come out, oh yeah, that's God, I know you. No, 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 no. He said, I want you to figure out who I am and work your way through it. And in the darkness, God's presence. Is felt because you can't see. And he's trying to get us and Jacob and all of us to say, I want to feel God's presence. I can't see him, but I want to learn to feel the presence. And that's what we are absolutely bound to because we can't see God. We must now do what Jacob did. feel the presence. And so in the darkness he comes so that you can feel it. And darkness leaves out the sense of sight. And sight is one of the main things we function with is sight. We make our way through the world and do everything we do by sight. Take away sight. Alright? Now he wants you to know God not by sight. What does this Bible say? We walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to learn to know God and feel his presence in the darkness when we're not sure. We're going to grab a hold of him and have a sense of who he is. And Jacob is figuring it out as they're wrestling and I'm not letting go. I'm Put your hip out of joint. You understand he could have put all his muscles out of joint. All he had to do was go bang, 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 bang. (laughs) And he'd have been like a fish flopping on the ground. So it wasn't that he couldn't have just put him down. He loves the wrestling. He loves the wrestling. He thinks it's great because Jacob is learning I know, I think I know, I, knew, I do know who you are. I'm not letting you go. But you're laying on a joint, I don't care. I'll hang on for everything. I will not be denied. I'm gonna have it. I want it. I want it. Such a noble passage, and a noble thing that he does. And so, meeting God that way. Should cause a change in our character. You really meet God. I'm gonna change your character. Now, go back with me. When he met God at Bethel, sleeping with his head on the rock, has a ladder, dreams, and God's up there, said, I'll be with you wherever you go. Wakes up, God was here. I didn't know it. My name is Jacob. I'm a cheater. All right. And his family said they named him right. That was his character. He went to Uncle Laban. And he was still a cheater. Yeah, but he met God. I don't that didn't change him. He was still a cheater. But now. He's met God in a much more real way close, intense way. It's not on the top of a ladder. He says it's Peniel face to oh, face. Now I met God. I really met him face to face. And I got to change. I can't be a cheat and a sneak anymore. Why do you think he's giving gifts to Esau? Because he's not a cheater anymore. not coming here to sneak and try to. He's uh, that was his inheritance. Belonged to him. That's the birthright that he went for. He said, That's, I don't care about the flocks. Give them to Esau. That's really not the inheritance I want. I want the blessing that I wrestled for all night. That's what I want. And so we see a whole change in his attitude. And after, ever after this, he never cheats anybody. He's honest as the day is long from that point on. He was cunning and crafty and half-honest, but now his name is changed from cheater, Jacob, to prince with God, Israel. Israel, prince with God. So, it's said in many places in the Bible, and it's even said here, that Jacob won he won the struggle now you ask yourself how is it that he won after all god could have put every bone in his body out of joint he could have just said bang you're down all right so what's going on there is something that god cannot resist he said, well, God can resist anything. Well, principalities and powers are nothing to him. That's true. But there is something that God cannot resist, and that is Jacob's faith in God's promises. So Jacob is saying, you know, my brother Esau, coming with 400 men and I'm asking you to be true to what you told me on the top of that ladder that you'd never leave me or forsake me. I want that promise as I'm going back through Esau's property. And so I want that promise, I will not let you go till you bless me and God says he won. He won, why, because he believed in my promise and I cannot lie God cannot lie so God can't make a promise and not keep it God made a promise to Jacob wherever you go I'll be there and now he's wrestling he says I need it now I would not be denied now and he said okay Okay, you win. You won, not by your bone and your muscle and all of that. That's not how you won. You won because you pleaded and believed. God will submit to faith and stay true to his promises. And so he says the contest is a contest with God and Uh, Think about it. It's a real contest that he was in. You remember Jesus told the story of the unjust judge. It's one of Jesus' funny stories. He said, there's a judge, Jesus said. He was a nasty old guy. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about people, but he was a judge. So this woman came, said, avenge me and my adversary, a widow. He goes, ah, get away from me. I don't care about you or God or anybody. He said, I'll be here again tomorrow. And she came tomorrow and kept bugging him. And finally he said, I got to give her what she wants. She's going to hound me to death. (laughs) And Jesus says, if the unjust judge, if the unjust judge who doesn't care about anybody will listen to that voice when it comes back and says, I want it, I want it, how much more is God going to listen to us who come and ask? And ask again with that same attitude. I will not be denied. till Jesus comes and set me free. I will not be denied. Just like the unjust judge gives in to the woman. God is going to submit to us when there's an intention. Jacob won't give up. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so I want you to understand this. That the contest with God. This is a contest with God. And we think to ourselves, what's God think about this? What's God think about this guy hanging on his legs and kicking and fighting and doing everything? What does God think? He loves it. He loves it. Our contest with God is friendly. It's friendly. God's good. God's good. And the contest with you, I love it. And so this is one of God's favorite moments in the history of people. Here's a guy who said, No, I'll take you, I'll get you. Don't leave me. I will not accept that. I will not be denied. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. Now, I want you to notice something here. Last week, we looked at Isaac and Rebecca, and they started out well. But by the end of life, where were they? They both slid downhill. They had a spiritual waning in their life where the older they got, the less spiritual they got until she was teaching her son how to cheat and lie and he said, bring me the venison and I'll bless you. They lost their sense of spiritual things the older they got. And sometimes in people's life, as time goes by, we decline. Jacob, on the other hand, he's going up. The older he gets, the higher he goes until his last few minutes on earth are magnificent. And this is the beginning of that change where he goes higher and higher and higher until he becomes one of the great God people in the history of the world. I've seen God face to face, he says. I've seen God. So he's, as he grows older, he's getting higher. Not like Isaac and Rebecca, mom and dad. He's going higher with God. That's the important thing to remember for us to think about. What do we want to do with our life? What do we want to do? And, and it finishes up this way. <clears throat> In his struggles with Uncle Laban, that cheeky old, cheating old thief, he really never got hurt. In his struggle with Esau, he didn't get hurt either. Esau... We'll meet with him and embrace him and say, don't give me all this stuff, I'll need it. And he said, yes, it's my gift to you because God's blessed me. So I'm blessing you, take it. And so him and Esau get together, it's fine. He was never hurt by Laban, he's never hurt by Esau, but when God touched his hip, he limped the rest of his life. What's about that? anything about that <clears throat> well I remember what paul said i carry about in my body the marks of the lord jesus and of course if paul was taking his shirt off you'd see his entire back was all scar tissue he'd been beaten three times with rods and when they beat you with a rod They did it 39 times, because 40, they said, was cruel and unusual punishment, so we'll just do 39. So they beat him 39 times, three times with a rod. They stoned him and left him for dead once. And so when Paul took off his shirt, his entire back was all scar tissue. And Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus or I'm carrying around proof that I know God. And if you doubted it, this is one of the famous uh, events in American history when uh, one of the black guys was speaking before the Civil War about slavery, and he was giving a speech, and somebody said, up in Illinois, he said, what are you talking about? We don't believe you. And he took his shirt off and turned around, he said, now you believe me? This is all scar tissue from being whipped. A very impressive thing. Paul said the same thing. Now Jacob says the same thing. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. I'm limping the rest of my life because I've been touched and I saw him face to face. He's not mad about it. Not mad about it. He said, I'm finally free. I got what I wanted. Cost me something. Cost me something to get it. But I'm more than happy to do it. The face of God was worth more to him than his hip. The face of God, seeing God, was worth more to him than walking. And that's worth a lot. All right. Now, time for me to stop. It's an exciting passage. Most unusual, extraordinary passage of Jacob and his contest with God. Thank you. More next week.